grand duchess says hello we've um it's come to our attention from multiple different people that anya is their favorite part of this podcast i'm a little offended (laughs) right i'm like you know what anya we'll just step aside nobody's nobody's surprised though i mean (laughs) no she she, she said that i was like yeah she is called the grand duchess for a reason so (laughs) oh man so so how is how has life been life's been pretty good um <laughs> wow that good huh <laughs> um for me life's been really good i i just got my first vaccine dose Ooh. so fortunately i haven't had too many crazy side effects yet aside from a sore shoulder you're jinxing it <laughs> i know <laughs> like cut jinxing it <laughs> um my friend's been dealing with some stuff which i've talk to you about yeah. so just uh just trying to help i went her. into like full research mode when you talked to me about i know <laughs> she's basically having to uproot her whole life right now so beyond that life's pretty good um <laughs> haven't thrown my back out Woo! knock on wood <laughs> no really bad mental health weeks yeah it's been like i don't want to jinx it yeah been good it's been quiet how about yourself great still getting this place set up i'm still getting this place set up she's dragging me on some errands later today i'm dragging you on errands you're my emotional support i was gonna say yeah we are each other's emotional support humans it's funny checking out new stores around here and so i was talking to another one of my friends um laura if you remember her from sprouts yeah hi hi um and I just mentioned how, like, you and I are each other's emotional support humans. And I went to go get my vaccine. I was like, I'm doing it alone. I'm scared. I hate adulting alone. Normally, I would, like, drag you with yeah. me to something like that. It was fine, though. Well, there's, there's like, a lot of things that I'll do by myself. Yeah. But, like, if I have the option, like, mm-hmm. I'll do errands if you're not here. But it's, like, easier on my anxiety when I have someone with Same. me. <laughs> yeah. For like sure. planning stuff. Like if I'm planning on doing something, like if I'm going to like stop by the store on the way home, I literally just go, yeah, fuck it and turn. And then I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> like I have every intention of driving past the store and then I'm just like, just do it. Just get it over with. And you know, that's the crazy thing about social anxiety is it's, it's literally the minutes leading up to the thing. Mm-hmm. Once you're doing the thing, it's totally fine. Yeah, the thing it's, is usually fine. It's the mental prep and yeah. sabotage the mental olympics to. you go through yeah. just to convince yourself nothing <laughs> out of the ordinary is gonna happen i also get very like i've noticed lately that with my anxiety it's very like up and down like mm-hmm. i'm either like aggressively anxious and don't want to do anything or i'm aggressively anxious but i want to do all the things because i have so much energy like right now yeah i'm like vibrating right now for no reason you are you're like glowing (laughs) not really (laughs) that's probably the sweat from trying to do all the crap today (laughs) yeah yeah no i know what you mean i'll definitely have some days where i'm like i want to get 
all of the things accomplished. What are you doing, Anya? Anya just like pounced into a box and made it real obvious. Because attention. And she's back. Hi. <laughs> How long is it going to take for her to yell at us again? She's not going to yell at me. She loves me. <laughs> she shows me her butt. Better I've, I've seen me. your butt before, okay? That's something I ever want to hear you say about my cat again. <laughs> she's literally like... No, yeah, you get the butt. There's nothing... There's nothing... Uh. Uh, Nothing weird happening here, guys. You just get the bit. Just yeah. And the angry tail whip. Oh yeah. Hi. She's really <laughs> mad, guys, because I have to close the window every time we record, and the door. So she's not. She's Please not thrilled. Don't fall. She. I have watched Gemma fall off that windowsill about a hundred and one times. It's sad. <laughs> oh, I think it's funny because when Gemma falls off, I'm like, yeah. When Jasmine almost falls, I'm like, oh. You like leap out, it's okay. leap off the couch to catch her, right? Yeah, injure myself to catch her. If for those of you that don't know, Gemma is like my baby. She's gonna bounce back, but Jasmine is my seventeen or eighteen year old cat who's got she's the diabetes and, and she's the old arthritis cranky, and old cranky babushka yeah. with the arthritis. And yeah. yeah, so cat has three cats. Oh yeah, I have two. I have Allie and Butters. 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 <laughs> It's very much like um, his South Park character when he has uh, goobs. <laughs> when he has the zoomies, he turns into Professor Chaos and just <laughs> bounces off the walls. It's hey. a good time. She is the crazy zoomy one. Do you get the zooms? You get the zooms, huh? Oh, hello. She's like, no, I'm cute. You're not though. Not when I'm well behaved. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, she's actually really well behaved. There's just one behavior that yeah is so awful. That it kind of outshines the grid. Right. She's like, you know what? I'm just laying here. <laughs> hey, don't. She has spoken. Don't be mad. She's laying on her dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> she's, hey, she's our third co-host. So she's she's sitting with us She's right sitting now. <laughs> in between us, guys. <laughs> she's got like her back turned to the microphone because she's Sia, basically. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, goodness. you are listening to Difficult Damsels. Yay. I'm Rachel. I'm Kat. Hi. I love we have to look at each other to say that. Like, Well, because I'm like trying to figure out the timing. Rachel turns and like looks into my eyes and I'm like, oh. You don't like it when I stare into your eyes. I'm going to just keep staring okay. into your eyes. Anya, attack. <laughs> <laughs> I like how every episode it's like one of us uncomfortably hitting on the other one and yeah, the other one's just like, we can't, we both can't hit, hit on each other at the same time. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. <laughs> We had another moment this week where somebody legit thought we were engaged again. I mean, I did post. So she made me um, St. Patrick's Day dinner. Yes. It was delicious. Thank you. And we took pictures of it because, duh. Um, it didn't happen unless you took pictures. And I posted and said, my fiance made me the best St. Patrick's Day dinner or something ridiculously sappy like that. And everyone's like... This is following we posted on, we are engaged on Facebook. And you're, what, and we're sisters. What people don't know is that we are also sisters on Facebook. Yeah. So, so this is like a... It's very in line with um, our podcast. Yes. <laughs> we weren't children, children brides, child brides? Child brides. Children. Children brides. I don't know what, what's the, what's the uh, plural. <laughs> oh, whatever. Child brides. Sure. Yeah. Because yeah, that's the thing. Now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's been a thing. I um I gave her a ring years ago. Huh. Wasn't just, weren't the rings from Mandy? Yeah, they were from Mandy. Thanks, Mandy. You got us engaged. <laughs> <laughs> it 
yeah, there was a ring. It just, it didn't fit me. So I was like, oh, I bet Kat would How does this. it fit my fat ass sausages, but it didn't fit your fat ass sausages? It was too big. Fat ass sausages. Um, <laughs> thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, what is happening? She's like, don't be too loud. I'm sleeping. She's literally laying down with her head on the pillow and she's like at a slight decline. And she didn't even lift her head to yell at us, guys. So anyway, so <laughs> we are not now. actually engaged, but oh, like yeah, no. we are. Yeah. Yeah. It was a joke and it's just become a thing. And yeah. Like, it's fun. If if you haven't confused your friends in your life as yeah. to like whether or not you're actually romantically. Or scared the shit out of your family. <laughs> involved with your best friend. Are you even best friends? No, Probably no. not. So. I think it's great that so many people believed us. And they were so supportive. Yeah, they were. It's nice to know who yeah. the good people are in your life. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Oh, I usually X the, the bad people out immediately, so I only got to. Yeah, I, I've been doing that lately. Yeah. <laughs> There's some people who are you not. You don't need to be around anymore. Yeah, that's bad. kind of what the. After this, like the pandemic, I've just realized I have no patience for certain people, and without like any Honestly, hesitation. I learned that in like high school. Like I just I, I hit my limit in high school, and I was like, "Fuck all you people." I don't want to deal with any of you. And it, it worked out well. I mean, I think you know me well enough to know that it takes me a long time to get to that yeah. point with people. Yeah. And it's taking much a much shorter amount of time now. Where Good. like I'm without glad. any any word or hesitation. Oh. That's for later. Oh god, no. Anya's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you must leave. <laughs> Anya's sleeping. She's just like, please don't disturb me. She's so cute right now. So you're listening to episode nine, which is on Tomo Gozen, a.k.a. the first female samurai of Japan. So Tomo Gozen is a very interesting figure, and she is our first difficult damsel who may not have actually existed. Similar to Lagertha in Norway or Bodica in Ireland, Tomo Gozen is a Japanese folklore hero of the 12th century that appears in Japanese literature relating to the Genpai War. Despite the fact that she has never been proven to have been an actual historical figure, she is the most famous Ona Bogesha, or it was their equivalent of a female samurai, um, in Japanese culture. She is also one of the rare few women to have engaged in offensive battle in medieval Japan. Mm-hmm. Tomo Gozen will go on to influence generations of samurais and serve as the example for Japanese female warriors. And in 1184, she was said to have commanded 300 samurai in one of her last battles in the face of astronomical odds, similarly similarly (laughs) to the Battle of Thermopylae that has been forever immortalized in the movie The 300. Yes. So a little bit of historical context for this time period. As we do not have a specific date of birth for Tomo Gozen, I'll just kind of do a general historical context for the end of the latter part of the 12th century. So from 1170 to 1180, Saladin is running around the Crusader states, wreaking havoc and fending off assassins on his campaign to conquer the Levant. In 1173, construction of the Leaning Tower of Pisa begins... In 1174, following a year and a half of a rebellion led by his sons, King Henry II imprisons Eleanor of Aquitaine for being a scandalous potster. How dare you. <laughs> In 1180, Emperor Manuel I dies after reigning in Constantinople for 37 years. And in 1180, 
The Genpai War begins in Japan after Prince Mochihito revolts against the Taira clan. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And so begins our story. If that last <clears> one wasn't <throat> familiar to you, or the one about Eleanor of Aquitaine, you must go back and listen to this episode. Yes. Yay. The episodes <laughs> being the Eleanor of Aquitaine episode, and then the episode just before this was on Hojo Masako. See, you're nice. I was just going to make them look for it oh, and I'm listen to them all. Out. Go listen. Go listen. (laughs) Actually, this episode is incredibly connected to the previous episode, as we're going to find out. Hell yeah. yeah. So before we get into the story of Tomo Gozen, we have to first get into the background of the female Japanese warrior. You will generally find Tomo Gozen referred to as the most famous female samurai. Semantically speaking, though, the term samurai could only ever be used for a man. Of course. Yeah. Fight me in your samurai ways, and I will prove to you that I am a samurai. Not me. Her. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Many of them lose their heads over that. Good. Oh, yeah. She's, As they should. She's, she's pretty badass. I'm excited. No condoning violence. <laughs> I mean, if you're in It's violence that already happened, so technically can't I condone it? <laughs> I, I, would, I would root for Tomo Gozen, for okay. sure, over okay. the others. <laughs> Japanese women that were raised in the samurai class and trained in martial arts were known as onabogeisha, which roughly translates to female warrior. Up until the 12th century, women raised in samurai families were expected to train in martial arts so that they might be able to defend their household when men went off to war. And as we know from our previous episode, rebellions were all too common in medieval Japan. That's fantastic that they started off with being trained. Oh yeah, oh, they, they literally had to. Okay, I'm not as mad about samurai thing. Still mad, but you're gonna be mad, mad later. <laughs> <laughs> the patriarchy—it's never a good thing <laughs> for anyone. So the onabogeisha generally fell into two categories: those that defended their household and those that actually took part in offensive warfare. Along with running the household, wives left behind often fulfilled the role of castellan and were expected to be able to defend their keeps while their husbands were away. This is why women of the samurai class often trained in martial arts and weaponry, even if they did not expect to go out and fight themselves. In such a volatile political environment, when rebellions were sprouting up left and right like weeds, martial arts and weapon training was necessary. Now, the female warriors that actually participated in offensive warfare were far rarer, but they did exist. These women were known as onamosha, or Onamusha. I think it's Onamusha. One of those two. Yes. (laughs) These are the women that fought on the battlefield with the other samurai, and Tomo Gozen was one of those Onamushas. So the traditional weapon used by the Onabogeshas was the Naginata, which was a short blade attached to a long staff. It's kind of like a cross between a sword and a spear. You see it. She's got pictures. I was going to say, and I'll I'll include this on the Facebook post. And it's, it's as tall as they are. Hell yeah. Well, yeah, it's a staff, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the blade, similar to the katana, is curved. You'll often find Tomo goes in pictured with the naginata. But Tomo apparently preferred to kill her enemies with a katana, which is the long the long blade that was typically used by the male samurai. Yes, that's like the... The typical image of the samurai. It's like literally a, my favorite kind of sword in the whole world. Yeah, and I want one. Begging me for one. I'm not giving you Why a not? I'm not giving you a sharp Okay, object. everyone listening, I need you to petition Kat to get me a katana. Petition all you want. I'm very stubborn. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. <laughs> How am, I will never know you actually love me unless you buy me a katana. 
You'll just never know that you, I love you. Ugh, damn it. It's fine. That doesn't break my heart. Okay. So <laughs> if there are any single men out there, in addition to a beach house and a cat dragon. And getting you, through the wall that is me. <laughs> you can win my heart. By buying me a katana. Easy shit right there. I don't even know. I'm not asking for a lot, but I promise you I'm worth it. Totally no reason why you're still single. <laughs> not at all. But really, I will fight. <laughs> Another interesting little tidbit. All daughters of samurais apparently would take a naginata with them when they were married as part of their dowry. Interesting. Yeah. But like, like they get to keep it. Yeah. It's oh, for them. Okay. I mean, dowry is something you give to your... Yeah. Well, I mean, it just, it goes with you when you're married. So most of the time it goes to the husband, but that they kept. Got it. Okay. So similar to the samurai, when honor called upon these female warriors to sacrifice themselves, they too perform the same ritualistic suicides that their male counterparts were known to employ to evade capture or a dishonorable death. All that being said, female warriors were still incredibly rare. Similar to the women we have already covered in this podcast. I know, I'm upset about that too, Anya. (laughs) Anya, feel stronger. (laughs) Women in medieval Japan mostly exercised power behind the scenes in palaces and council chambers. Power was extended to them by proxy from their husbands, their fathers, and their sons. So in that regard, medieval Japanese women were relegated to much the same status as their European counterparts right down to being married off as children for the sake of alliances. Nope. (laughs) Interestingly enough, in the 12th century, um, this is right around the time you start to see the presence of female warriors and leaders kind of dwindle out. Throughout the 5th and 6th centuries, Japan had several female rulers, including eight empresses. Some of these women ruled in their own right, while others appear to have ruled alongside a brother, with the woman taking up the spiritualistic cleric-type role, and the man taking up the administrative role. Interesting. Yeah. There's a, I came across one of these Japanese empresses. Um, I, I have her written down as a possible future episode, but she was known like after her husband died, she ruled. And then in the legend, she like invades Korea. I, I don't think that actually happened in Japan. Oh. I think it was the other way around. I think Korea actually invaded Japan in like this, like pre middle age period but it's a very interesting story and she's another like female japanese figure that kind of lives on in legend so we may cover her at some point by the end of the 12th century when the kamakura shogunate forms you start to see fewer women mentioned in leadership positions um now this is my own personal conjecture but given what we learned about hojo masako in the last episode and how utterly dominant and ruthless she was (laughs) i like to think that men were frankly terrified at the prospect of another female ruler yeah they're like we did this and no one enjoyed it (laughs) (laughs) and and she was just too good at it yeah she made us all look really bad that famous meme like what's a queen without her king historically speaking better Ah. (laughs) (laughs) so many of the women we covered forgot the history because how dare you ruin the male ego just unacceptable (laughs) bruises so easily with one touch Tomo Gozen is probably most famous for her relationship with Minamoto no Yoshinaka. That sounds really familiar. Yeah. So if you listen to our last episode, you remember Yoritomo's cousin that beat him to Kyoto? Sure. And remember his half-brothers? 
helped the cousin. Yeah, and then, then died. Turned on him. Yeah. We're going to get that side of the story now. Oh, okay. Because Tomo Gozen was um, his companion. Wow, there were hard quotations yes. around that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when it comes to Tomo Gozen's relationship with Yoshinaka, you'll see several different interpretations. Most agree that she was his companion. And I do say that word with quotations because... Many different things have been suggested. Everything from a concubine or when I see concubine, I see that as like forced wife yeah. or female attendant. Yeah. Either way. God, um, forbid, God forbid she can't be an equal partner. She has to be attached to him in some way. In that some makes romantic way. To the patriarchy. It does. <laughs> it does seem like there was some kind of romance between them. Yeah. So for our intents and purposes, we'll refer to her as Yoshinaka's constant companion and probable lover. Where it went beyond that, there's no way to really know. Yeah. As the story goes, Yoshinaka was so impressed with her skill that he made her the leading commander of his forces during the Genpai War. And just what exactly did her skill set include? Well, we happen to have a description of Tomo that comes from the tale of the Heki. Tomo was especially beautiful, with white skin, long hair, and charming features. She was also a remarkably strong archer, and as a swordswoman, she was a warrior worth a thousand, ready to confront a demon or a god, mounted or on foot. She handled unbroken horses with superb skill. She rode unscathed down perilous descents. Whenever battle was imminent, Yoshinaka sent her out as his first captain, equipped with strong armor, an oversized sword, and a mighty bow, and she performed more deeds of valor than any of his other warriors. Hail, yes. <clears throat> so in a nutshell, she's awesome and beautiful. Yes. <laughs> so the way the Onobogeisha are always shown, if you look up pictures, is they're never shown with helms. Yeah. Because they have to have their have beautiful be long beautiful black hair. Beautiful and ethereal yeah. because yes. there's no way that just a normal normal chick could be that badass. Like why why would she like... need a visor to protect her face? That's just shilly. Shilly. Shilly, huh? <laughs> Silly. <laughs> yeah, so oh. ev almost every um like painting or wood carving you find from this time period if it, if it's a female warrior, she has her long, long. black hair. Flowing locks, Flo the locks the that I, yeah, that I'm very envious of. They're also, always very beautiful. What the fuck is what are what are charming features like? What I what does that mean? <laughs> I guess the whole point was to juxtapose. Juxtapose. Don't ask me to translate your big words. <laughs> it's not on here. I'm the whole tell. point was to show the contrast of like these are beautiful women, but they're also deadly. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. There's something so great that that is a very big um, trope in, in yeah any kind of folklore or yeah. mythology or anything is you have these like gorgeous women and then they're also badass. I'm just like yes. yeah, <laughs> and unlike video games, you'll find these days where like the female warriors are clad in next to nothing armor, scantily clad. Yes. I think are the words you are trying to find. <laughs> <laughs> um, all of the images of the female samurai women um, from this time period, you'll still see them in like their box type armor. And, yeah. Mm, what they actually wore? Yeah. And like actual as, armor? As I was like looking at it, I was like, how do you actually move in that? But you, I, she found a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Lots as, of struggles. It's like, how do you move in the in the gauntlets and all that stuff from uh, yeah. medieval armor of the British? You're just like, yeah. They can't even bend their legs. <laughs> 
don't need to bend your legs. You just need to like hopefully like hit you something. Just turn at the waist. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see us right now, but we're like I'm really glad you can't see us because like, it's embarrassing. Mimicking it right now. In the best way. <laughs> so as previously mentioned, we're not entirely certain Tomo even existed, but several sources do put her birth around 1157. The name Gozen isn't linked to any specific family surname and is more of a title given to women from distinguished families. So in some of the sources, you'll actually see her referred to as Lady Tomo. Uh So Gozen being the equivalent of Lady. Most of what we do know about Tomo comes from the previously mentioned Japanese epic known as the Tale of the Heki, which was a literary compilation of stories related to the struggle between the Minamoto and Taira clans during the Genpai War. Not very much is known about Tomo's childhood, which kind of helps add to the mythology that surrounds her. We do know that Tomo was the daughter of Nakahara Kaneto, who had been Yoshinaka's guardian. Yoshinaka must have also been sent to live with Tomo's father when he was an infant because the tales also suggest that her mother was his wet nurse. Mm. So this is another case where the two of them probably grew up together. Yeah. Just as Masako and Yoritomo had been important figures during the Genpai War and would go on to form the first shogunate of Japan, Tomo and Yoshinaka were also involved in the Genpai War and the conflicts leading up to it. So now it's time to go back to feudal Japan and revisit the conflict between the Taira and Minamoto clans. We are now at the point in Japanese medieval history when Japan has undergone several decades of uprisings mostly related to the imperial succession and the power behind the imperial throne. Up to this point, the main power is the Taira clan. The Taira clan is the dignified aristocratic clan that is already established in Kyoto. They have been in power for a while now and have consolidated their power behind a young child emperor named Antoku. And as already mentioned in our last episode, the emperor of Japan at this point is mostly just a figurehead. The real power behind the imperial throne is the clan that happens to be in the power at the time. Now, the head of the Taira clan is Taira no Kiyomori, who is Intoku's grandfather and his shikin. Again, shikin meaning regent. And this was after forcing the abdication of Emperor Takakura. He's going to go over to the cloistered emperors. (laughs) Yeah, this is the time of the cloistered emperors. Um, So every time an emperor is ousted... They make a pledge for a life of solitude and prayer, basically, so they're completely... They join a band. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're, they're removed from political power at this point. <laughs> now, the opposing family is Clan Minamoto. These are members of the samurai class that live out in the countryside. So you basically have the snotty aristocrats of the Taira clan facing off against the countryside bumpkin upstarts of the Minamoto clan. <laughs> Just to set the scene for you. You've set it well. <laughs> Just as the uh, the Lancasters and the Yorks had their red and white roses over in England, the Taira and Minamoto clans are also represented with their own fighting colors in the stories from this time period. So the Taira are represented by the red and the Minamoto represented by the white. You're shitting me. Yeah, I swear oh to God. My God. <laughs> I thought you were going to like throw out some like another like random colors, random colors. Cause like everyone has colors to represent their house, but no, 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 no. You threw out red and white. Like it's yep. the thing. Yeah. Like the Taira are basically the, uh, the Lancasters and the Minamoto or the Yorks. 
Interesting. <laughs> I know. I came across that and was like, I'm adding that to my notes. Excuse me. <laughs> so in the years leading up to the Genpai War, the Minamoto clan leads several failed uprisings and attempted coups against the Imperial Army headed by the Taira clan. And it is around this time that Yoshinaka begins to rise in the ranks of the Minamoto clan. When Prince Mochihito emerges as a rival claimant for the imperial throne, it was Yoshinaka that answered the prince's call to arms amongst the Minamoto clan. And again, he picked them because they were the rivals of the Taira, so he, he knew he could get their support. Yeah. Against, like, their emperor. Yeah. Their child emperor. <sighs> Yoshinaka began to raise an army in northern Japan and invaded the Echigo province. I did include a map. Just so can... She has the maps! I have maps, of course. <laughs> <laughs> this apparently concerned the Taiba clan enough to attack Yoshinaka, but with little success. Now, as already mentioned, Yoshinaka is said to have recognized Tomo's martial skill rather early on in his exploits. She was not just a mere soldier in his army, though. She was known to be one of his most important commanders. And yes, this means that Tomo was a commander of men. <laughs> the first mention we get of Tomo is during the Battle of Yokotagawara in 1181. And not only is Tomo present here, but she was said to have taken part in the brutality of this battle and walked away with the heads of seven cavalry men that she killed herself. Girl. So apparently this was a thing where you, like, when you killed your enemies, you collected their heads. That's weird. That's an odd hobby to, <laughs> to pick up. Hobby. No, no. <laughs> I mean, hey, in England, they quartered people and sent their body parts off across the country. So I guess in Japan, you collected heads. Sure. That's weird. <laughs> what just, a, what a lovely different. wall of heads you have. It's great. Who's that? <laughs> Could be a good talking piece. <laughs> Where did you get this head? Where'd that well, one come from? Well, at the Battle of. <laughs> you know, I don't actually remember that one. <laughs> In 1183, Yoshinaka gave Tomo the command of 1,000 men during the Battle of Kurakara. That's it? I mean. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's it? He probably had like 5,000 men. Oh, okay. So you always you split up your army depending on. I don't have to I'm tell you. you a hard Whatever. Time. Get out. <laughs> Bye, guys. So the Battle of um, Kurikara. It's probably Kurikara. Because somebody once told me R's are pronounced like D's. Kurikara. What? We'll go with that. I was trying to figure out how to pronounce certain things. And one of my friends explained to me that R is actually like, pronounced like a D. Hopefully I said it right. I'm trying. <laughs> So at this battle, you see Yoshinaka and his commanders, including Tomo, turn the tide of war in the favor of the Minamoto clan. So it's at this point that the Taira clan leaves the city of Kyoto to engage the Minamoto forces and take on Yoshinaka directly in retribution for Yoshinaka invading their lands. This is also when Minamoto no Yoritomo, this, again, his cousin and our previous difficult damsel's husband, oh, yeah. enters the story. Now, if you listened to our last episode about Hojo Masako, you already know all about Yoritomo. But for those of you who just happened to stumble across this episode... You don't get a play-by-play -play because you <laughs> haven't listened to the last one! <laughs> exactly. Pause now and go listen. Uh -huh. um, if, you, if you don't, here's a little brief summary. No, no. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> 
So Minamoto no Yoritomo will go on to become the first shogun of Japan. This is the military dictator of Japan that ends up having more power than the emperor. Up to this point, Yoritomo had been in exile in Japan following the death of his father during one of the previously mentioned failed Minamoto uprisings. Yoritomo has been fostered by the Hojo clan in the Izu province near modern-day Tokyo. He is a bit of a hothead and has been biding his time, waiting for an opportunity to reclaim his place at the head of the Minamoto clan and get vengeance for his father from the Taira clan. He is also married to Hojo Masako, the daughter of Hojo Takimasa and the current leader of the Hojo clan. Now, while Yoritomo has been exiled, Yoshinaka has become the power behind the Minamoto clan, and although they have a common enemy in the Taira, there is this constant internal struggle going on for dominance within the clan. Yoshinaka and Yoritomo are both cousins and rivals, and just like in Highlander, there can only be one. <laughs> Yoritomo was apparently already moving to try and unseat Yoshinaka as the head of the Minamoto clan at this point, and the two apparently faced off against one another, but Yoshinaka convinces his cousin that the only way to defeat the Taira forces is if they stand united with one another rather than fighting amongst themselves. Yeah, duh. <laughs> like, if what, someone has to tell you that... What a concept. Yeah. <laughs> there can only be one cat. Okay. Again, a concept that could um, be, you know, mold over today. today. Right? <laughs> we all just work together. I thought you were going to say, we're all going to die down here. Like, no, <laughs> we're all going it. to die down here. <laughs> Lots of people are going to die down here. <laughs> Yoshinaka does convince Yoritomo to, to stand down at this point and even sends his son to Yoritomo's home in Kamakura as a sign of his good faith. When Yoritomo withdraws, this gives Yoshinaka the opportunity to focus exclusively on mm. the upcoming fight with the Taira forces. It's during this battle that Yoshinaka displays some very impressive tactical skills. He basically traps the opposing Taira forces in the mountain pass and splits his own army up into three different parts. The first group attacked the Taira from the rear. The second group was waiting below the mountain path to ambush any of the Taira that escaped. And this is my favorite part. <laughs> the last portion of Yoshinaka's army held the center of the pass. And as the sun began to set, Yoshinaka's forces unleashed a herd of oxen. <laughs> According to the accounts, it was Tomogozen that instructed the soldiers to attach torches to the horns of the bulls as other soldiers beat drums, and amidst all the confusion, the Taira clan horses went batshit crazy. Yeah, me too! <laughs> There's fucking demon oxen coming at me! I'm done with this! <laughs> Many of the Taira horses were knocked directly off the mountain pass, and those that survived, the fiery herd of cattle charging towards them, were then faced with the remainder of Yoshinaka's forces charging for them headfirst down the northern slope and into the Kaikara Valley where the reserve was waiting for the final ambush. That's some serious strategic power. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> but also demon oxen. Like, I don't... Wait, I don't want to fight demon oxen. No, I just you. like, you know what? Take whatever you want. I'm out. You I'm want Kyoto? It's all yours. Going to join the cloistered emperors. I'm not even an emperor. <laughs> I don't want demon oxen. <laughs> so this was a very decisive victory for the Minamoto clan. The Taira that managed to escape were completely demoralized. And it's at this point that the Taira abandoned the capital of Kyoto, taking with them the young emperor Antoku. Yeah, your ass is kicked by demon oxen. <laughs> just, that's great. Um, <laughs> also kind of sad when you think about it. Like, poor oxen. I know, I feel bad for them. 
Like, why why is there fire on my horns? Right? I, that would what make the them hell? especially upset. Well, yeah. I get, I love how in movies, like, and then, like, reading about history. Yeah. Like, I'm reading about, like, thousands and thousands of people dying, but, like, I get really sad when the horses die. One or dog when the dogs enters. die. Yeah, or, like, anything with animals. Entry. I'm like, they don't want to fight your fucking battles. You fight your own battles and leave <laughs> the horses and the dogs and the oxen out of it. At this point, it becomes a race between Yoshinaka and his cousin, Yoritomo, to see who can get to Kyoto first. Yoshinaka is determined to get there before his cousin so that he can claim the defeat of the Taira clan entirely for himself, install the new emperor, and gain control of the Minamoto clan as its leader. So it was like a temporary alliance. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I can just, I just have this, like, picture in my head of them, like, very cartoon character-esque, like, yeah like running towards it <laughs> oh i do too and like looking back at each other like oh god <laughs> well as we know from our previous episode yoshinaka does get to kyoto first spoiler alert spoiler alert wow. <laughs> ruined the whole story for me <laughs> sorry not yeah. sorry oh <laughs> so he ends up entering the capital with the cloistered emperor go shirakara 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 how are you doing over there <laughs> i'm trying <laughs> and it's at this point that Emperor Go Shirakara orders Yoshinaka to join forces with Minamoto no Yukie. Yukie? I think it's Yukie. I'm sorry, I'm trying. You're doing great. <laughs> and um, this is Yoritomo's half brother. So, this is where our last episode and this episode start to converge. We already know what happens here. Yukie ends up betraying Yoshinaka, and now we're going to find out why. Ooh. So Yoritomo's opportunism put aside, Yoshinaka did not make any friends for himself due to the brutal manner in which he entered the city. And as you can imagine, with any medieval siege, Kyoto's citizens were... Disclaimer for rape. Mm. They were raped. And the, ta- and the city was pillaged. Because people have nothing to do with it. it. Men in war don't make for there's no such thing as men in war there's monsters yeah <laughs> war, war, war makes, gives them the excuse to be the monsters that... war makes monsters of us all yeah. yeah so they basically just completely sack and pillage kyoto great outraged by what has happened in the city emperor go shirakawa ends up reaching out to yoritomo it's also suggested that yoshinaka was conspiring with yukie to seize the capital and the emperor for himself presumably with the intent of moving the capital elsewhere and taking over as the shogun. This is when Yukie turns on Yoshinaka and confesses the plans to the emperor. And it's at this point that Yoshinaka takes Emperor Go Shirakawa into custody and sets fire to his home. Not long after that, Yoritomo arrives in the city with his other brother, Minamoto no Noriori, and forces Yoshinaka and his forces to flee the city for good. Clan Minamoto remains in control of Kyoto, but the power is now in the hands of Yoritomo and Hojo Masaka. And we have caught up with the other episode. (laughs) So Yoshinaka and Tomo weren't quite done at this point. It was clear that they were in for a final showdown with Yoritomo, but before they will meet up for one final fateful day, they get to fight the Taida clan one last time during the Battle of Uchide no Hama. And this ends up being one of those absolutely insanely one-sided battles that makes for one hell of a cinematic theater piece. Mm -hmm. Um, But for Yoshinaka, it ends up being devastating. 
The numbers recorded for this battle are contradictory depending on the source you look at, but this is the battle where Yoshinaka's 300 cavalrymen came up against anywhere from 2,000 to 6,000 Tadish soldiers. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> Only five members of the Minamoto clan escaped from this battle, Tomo Gozen being one of the five. Because okay. she's that badass. Because she is awesome. Now, the last time we hear of Tomo Gozen is during the Battle of Owazu in February of 1184. This ends up being the final showdown between Yoshinaka and Miramoto no Yoritomo's forces. This time, Yoshinaka ends up facing off against Minamoto no Noriyori, which was again Yoritomo's brother. Okay. Just as she had always done in the past, Tomo was given the command of one portion of Yoshinaka's army, and it is in this battle that Minamoto no Yoshinaka finally meets his end. As the battle raged on around them, Yoshinaka's forces are completely annihilated. All of his men are being picked off one by one, and finally, his forces dwindle down to approximately five to seven members. God. And yes, Tomo is one of these still surviving members. Wow. Well, no, 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 Rachel. Women can't be warriors. <laughs> they can be warriors. They just can't be samurai. Fuck off. <laughs> you not naming them your warrior class is you telling them they can't be warriors in a Basically. very polite way. And yet... Well, and, this is, and yet she's won five, one like five of three hundred who actually survived. Yeah, well, and this is this is the most badass Tomogosen moment. We're about to get into it. Yes. <laughs> so this is when the stories tell of Yoshinaka calling Tomo to him and demanding that she leave the battlefield. Now, before we start to romanticize this moment, it does not appear that Yoshinaka was as much concerned for her safety as he was instead concerned with the legacy he'd leave behind if he was found dead on the battlefield next to a woman. No, it's better if that woman escapes and you didn't. <laughs> so this is how the moment is recalled in the tale of the Heki. But now they were reduced to but five survivors, and among these, Tomo still held her place. Calling her to him, Yoshinaka said, As you are a woman, it were better that you now make your escape. I have made up my mind to die, either by the hand of the enemy or by mine own. And how would Yoshinaka be shamed if in his last fight he died with a woman? There's some hard eye rolls happening that none of you are witnessing right now. <laughs> now, whether or not Yoshinaka was genuinely concerned about his reputation if he died next to a woman, we really can't say for sure. There are some sources that suggest he did genuinely love her and was like, yeah. you know, get away because I love you and I don't want you to die, whatever. <laughs> Either way. He's <laughs> right over that like it wasn't a thing. <laughs> Either way, this is Tomo Gozen we are talking about. And she is not going to just abandon her armor calmly right there in the battlefield and flee. She still has to prove herself, if not for Yoshinaka, then at least for her own sake. And so she says, Ah, for some bold warrior to match with, that Kiso might see how fine a death I can die. In that moment, 30 enemy samurai warriors are charging straight for them, and at the head of the small troop is Onda no Hachiro Morishige. Apparently he was a famous samurai of the sure. time. <laughs> so what do you think Tomo does? Oh, kicks his ass, hopefully. <laughs> she gets on her horse and charges straight at them, making a beeline for Onda Morishige, and hurls herself at him, grappling with him while still mounted. And in typical Tomo goes in fashion, she subdues him and presses him against the pommel of her saddle. 
and twists his head off right then and there in front of his men before tossing it carelessly to the ground. Hell yeah. I mean, technically, you can't physically twist someone's head off. She did. Okay. That's fine. But According to the tale of Hecky, <laughs> just, just, just picture this moment. I this was, I was picturing it just fine, and then you're like, she twisted the head off. I'm like, okay. Female warrior charging for 30 samurais, <laughs> leaping off of her horse at him. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Is she flying? Yes. <laughs> In fact... Oh my this god, there's a picture! The, the wood carvings yes. of this moment. It literally shows her bulldozing over a couple of samurais and she's like leaping Ooh. off her horse at this dude. I love the way they do like artists portray horses. They look like demons, but anyway. <laughs> I mean, remember the demon bulls? Yeah, <laughs> oxen. They were oxen. <laughs> so the sources all make a point of saying that Tomo deliberately looked for the strongest samurai warrior on the field to prove herself one last time. You'll also notice in that wood carving that she is not wearing a helmet again because yeah, flowing locks must be set free. Exactly, yes. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> flowing locks must be set free. <laughs> when she beheads Onda Morishige, it's not entirely clear if she flees the battlefield to get away from his men or if they simply dispersed amidst the confusion. But she herself finally strips off her armor and casts it away on the battlefield before fleeing. The way I picture it in my head is, you remember Uma Thurman in Kill Bill? I never actually saw Kill Bill. Oh. Not a giant fan of Uma. Oh, I know. Man. So at the end of the first film, she kills Lucy Liu's character, and Lucy Liu's character is a female warrior that yeah. fights with uh, Katana. Yeah. she's They're standing in the snow, and she's just splattered with blood. That's how I picture Yes. Tomo goes in in like her white. Well, apparently she just twisted the head off a male. So, I mean, she's that. I would hope there's some blood on her. (laughs) Before fleeing, Yoshinaka instructs Tomo goes in to escape and take his story back to the province of Shinano, which is where he had been born. This is where the story gets a little foggy, as there are several different accounts of the timeline of events from here. Yoshinaka's fate is, alas, a tragic one. He apparently attempted to flee from the battlefield and find an isolated spot where he could commit seppuku before he could be captured and killed by the enemy, but he apparently ends up trapping himself in a partially frozen field of mud, and the enemy catches up to him. Um, In one of the accounts I read, it suggested that he was mowed down by arrows, but all accounts for sure suggest that whatever the manner, it had been a humiliating end for him. As Tomo is attempting to make her escape, she is hunted down by a couple of Yoritomo's men. One of them was Uchida Ayoshi, who attempted to capture her during the Battle of Owazu. The two apparently charged at one another, and same thing here, she uh, nicks off his head with her Maybe katana. Maybe learn from the last guy and don't charge her. <laughs> and if she starts charging you, you fucking run, right? <laughs> Bye. Got her katana in hand, just like, ah. Nope, I'm out. With the headless horseman, but with the head. With a head. Of she beautiful other people's heads. Flowing, flowing locks. locks. That yeah. head free. <laughs> <laughs> there was another samurai warrior by the name of Hatikeyama Shigetada that attempted to capture her as well while she was fleeing, but she manages to escape. I was like, she charged him too? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. She's collecting heads over here. <laughs> Basically, everyone is trying to run her down at this point or capture her. The last time Tomo goes and appears on page in the tale of the Heki, she's seen riding away from the battle like some sort of outlaw riding towards her freedom. I imagine her riding into the sunset. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> With Flowing her locks black glowing. Locks. Yeah. 
<laughs> going behind her. She oh. is approximately 28 years old at this point. Oh, what? All these women doing so much before they're right? 30. And I'm like, well, I'm about to be 31. And <laughs> So no one is entirely sure what happens to Tomogozen after that. And this is where the story truly catapults itself into legend as several different possible endings emerge. So in the spirit of a choose-your-own-adventure tale, I'm going to read a couple of them off to you, and then you get to decide which one is your favorite. Yes. <laughs> so most of the stories involve her being captured by some sort of samurai warrior or another, because why not? <laughs> and him forcing her to become his concubine. But there are a couple of interesting alternatives. I'll save those for the end. Can you imagine... Like forcing that woman to be your concubine, like no. you don't sleep. <laughs> you you don't. You don't like she's gonna kill you. She's gonna twist your head off. That's and... exactly why oh, she's like a praying mantis. She is. Oh, she'll kill like you after she has sex with you. She'll kill you while she's having sex with you. <laughs> Bite your head off. Yes. <laughs> twist it off. <laughs> In one story, she is captured by Minamoto no Yoritomo's henchman named Wada Yoshimori during the Battle of Kyoto. In this story, he forces her to become his concubine, and she ends up marrying him and giving birth to another legendary figure named Asahina Saburu Yoshihide. He was apparently known for his superhuman strength. So, you, you know, in the stories... His mom twisted heads off, so I'm guessing, yeah. <laughs> right. So you, you know how, according to, like, Viking mythology, Uba and Bjorn and Ivor the Boneless claim to be the sons of Ragnar Lothbrok? It's kind of the same thing here. Yeah. And they're descended through him from Odin. Yes. 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 I do I do know that story a little bit. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> Tiny bit. <laughs> so fun little random fact about this supposed son of Tomos. He was apparently killed in 1213 by the Hojo clan. Remember how we mentioned in the last episode that Hojo Masako and her brother would target rival clans and eliminate them wholesale? Well, apparently the uh, the Wada family was one of them clans. One of these clans. Uh-oh. Yeah. Sorry. So the interconnections <laughs> are they never end. <laughs> so in this story, after Wada Yoshimori dies, Tomo goes on to survive his death in what I can only assume was also part of that massacre of the Wada clan. <laughs> she then apparently shaves her head and becomes a nun, living to the age of ninety-one. That's wow. one of the happier stories. Oh, okay, so don't, or maybe choose that one. <laughs> I mean, it's up to you. You pick what you want. Other stories suggest that she avenged Minamoto no Yoshinaka's death by hunting down and killing all of his attackers before <laughs> retrieving his head so that no one else could defile it. And at the end of this particular story, Tomo walks out into the sea with Yoshinaka's head in her hands and drowns herself. Hmm. That's too romanticized for me. <laughs> And in another story, it suggested that she died while fleeing, but ends up as a grieving and resentful spirit bound to Yoshinaka's shrine at Owazu. Apparently devastated over the fact that she was not allowed to die with Yoshinaka, she instead haunts the shrine as an angry spirit. I'm going to pick that one. That's the one I picked too. That's, that's my choose your story. <laughs> Anything with angry spirit. I, I just can't imagine... There's no way she would let herself be captured. There's no way she would let herself be captured. I'm sorry, but she ain't killing herself because her lover, quote yeah. unquote, died. I'm just, she wants to that. go out in a blazing yeah. fire of glory. Yeah. And I, like I kind of also like the fact that because 
Yo, she knock over the little bitch. And it's like, I can't <laughs> die next to you. She comes back. She's just, like, like, watch me haunt the shit out of everyone. Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you're not going to die next to me, but you're going to live the rest of it. You are stuck with, with me, me now. <laughs> yeah. This is how this is going to end for you. So in the centuries following her death, Tomogozen was one of the people mentioned in the tale of the Heki, which is one of Japan's greatest war epics and has been compared to the likes of Homer's The Iliad because of its scope and its influence over the culture of Japan. Hmm. She is also the subject of a 15th century no play. In this play, she is apparently resurrected as a vengeful ghost yes. that is bound to Yoshinaka's shrine. And um, it's from this play that you get that legend I of like her it. coming back as a... Yeah. Like part of me wants to see that play, but another part's kind of scared. I mean, it sucks that she's a vengeful, vengeful yeah. ghost and she doesn't get to rest, but also, yeah. hell yeah. Yeah. I don't think she preferred would, to the others. She would have been bored in the afterlife. She's fine. <laughs> right? <laughs> she's like, I need to fight somebody. I just need, need to, to take forever. I need to take somebody's head off. <laughs> With my bare hands. You'll also find several kabuki plays performed about her. And of course, there are several shrines all over Japan dedicated to Tomogozen. If you visit the Kiso Family Temple in Japan, there is a memorial dedicated to Yoshinaka. And outside of the mausoleum, you'll find his statue. And standing behind his statue is Tomogozen, keeping eternal guard over him. In one hand is the Naginata, and in the other is her katana. I love that you're like, keeping eternal hold over him or whatever. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, she's haunting his ass, it's fine. <laughs> most recently she appears in a manga series called samurai deeper keel there's also a trilogy dedicated to tomo goes and written by american author jessica amanda samonson above all things tomo Gozen's legacy is as the most celebrated of female warriors in japanese history she would emerge as the prototype for all female warriors going forward and managed to carve out a piece of history for herself despite rising out of a deeply patriarchal society that did not readily accept women amidst their warrior ranks. There is not a single shred of damsel that remains of this difficult and formidable warrior in any of the tales that survived from the medieval period. And should the ghost of Tomogozen ever appear on horseback on a field ready to charge, you best bet your sweet ass that I will turn tail and run the opposite direction as fast as I can. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and that is Tomogozen. Yes. I love it. Who would you pick to fight for you? Would you pick Tomogozen or Hojo Masako? I pick Hojo. Same. Yeah, like Tomo's great. She's badass. Like if I'm ever well, in a field of samurai and I need someone to charge, like she's the go-to person. But Hojo Masako is just terrifying. So I would say it's circumstantial. Yeah, no, you're there. Circumstantial. Yeah. So if if we're going like Mortal Kombat style, <laughs> have you seen the trailers for that movie? By the way, I have not. <gasps> have you you've seen the trailer for Dune, right? Because that looks fucking amazing. Yeah, I wanted to see it so bad, but it's it keeps getting pushed. Yeah, yeah, I know. We'll go see it. Yes. Like I'm we'll so go excited. first showing because I'm still scared of the world, but I I want to see that in theaters. I'm still scared of the- <laughs> I'm going to always be scared of the world. That's not wrong. I'm me, terrified me of everything. <laughs> I just don't have patience for the world. But anyway, sorry. You were saying it's circumstantial. Yeah. So like, again, Mortal Kombat I'm style. I'm picking Tomo Gozen. But if we're talking, who is my person I'm picking for all time? 
Hell yeah, I'm going with Hojo Masako. Yeah, she takes no shit and is just badass in every way and is just like, she's just like legendary. She was <laughs> so clever and and ruthless. Like, I mean, I wouldn't want that in my life now, but back then, yeah, <laughs> like I'm backing her 100%. I love how you use the term clever because the second you use the term clever i pictured like kitsune in my head because clever is associated with foxes oh, kitsune okay. is the japanese fox which makes sense because foxes are also known for being clever yeah oh, i learned something new today yeah <laughs> thanks for teaching that's a, me that's a pretty cool legend if you've uh, never been introduced to it it's such a bummer because there's just not there weren't that many sources for tomo gozen as badass as she is like you'll explaining the cat you get three sentences explaining this one battle that's all oh she took seven heads i'm like well that's pretty cool let's go with that yeah like, it's like well but how like who were these people tell me more <laughs> let's um, expand on that shall we <laughs> so yeah i i very much would love to tell more stories from this side of the world and i'm, I'm gonna do my d- due diligence to try and seek them out yeah yeah this is a shorter episode just because there wasn't as much to go with um but as far as sources go mine were wikipedia um i bought the book samurai women 1184 to 1877 by stephen turnbull a couple of websites with articles i checked out were tofugu.com slash Japan, slash Shomogozen. There was a medium.com article on her. And then all that's interesting.com also had an article on Tomogozen. Hell so, yeah. Wish there was more. She's really cool. <laughs> all right. So random question time. Which one are we doing? We'll go with the, um, I mean, you can cut this part. No, no, I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> well, because we, I had, you said you couldn't come up with, an answer for I mean that no but I like your answer <laughs> oh, I'm still gonna use my answer oh, okay so so for a random question then after you die what is your ideal for what happens next what do you want to happen is it reincarnation do you end up in heaven I mean I have something I have two different ones yeah all right my my first one is I'm going to Valhalla because there's Hell yeah. cool fucking people in Valhalla. <laughs> Plus, I want the Valkyries to take me to Valhalla, because, yes. Um, Same. Hell yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me? If I died and the Valkyrie came at me, they'd be like, <gasps> I'd be like fangirling out, and they're like, are you fine? I'm like, <laughs> I'm just so happy. <laughs> but also, if I was going to be reincarnated, Anya is perfectly displaying why I would be reincarnated <laughs> as a cat, because they just sleep all the time. In and, the sun. Yeah, and they can be cranky. And would no you want to be like Anya no and like, really pee else. on everything? Yeah, because she's cranky as fuck. <laughs> No, I wouldn't be oh. an asshole on you and pee on everything, but I'd pee on you if you piss me off. But... Wow. Put <laughs> you outside. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> no, I like how do you really feel? But Jeez. I but I wouldn't want to be a house cat though. Like I wanna no, be you'd want to be, be free. Like, I think I wanna be a tiger. Okay. Like for sure. A so you could charge at men and rip off their heads. Yeah. <laughs> or a leopard. I like it. Anyway, that's my, those are my two answers. <laughs> if I had so, options. So my original question and my answer to this is going to be linked to that was, um, if you were the, like, a big boss fight in a video game, like what the circumstances would be. So basically, this is how I would want to come back. 
I would want to be a revenant that you have to summon to fight in order to get my special weapon. Summon on accident to fight? No. So oh. here, here are the circumstances. <laughs> so I want to be linked to two other sisters. So we would be the three sisters. You are totally going off your... I am. There's only two sisters, but still. I am. So we're we're all linked, and each of us has a like epic weapon. And am I one of your sisters? Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So the idea is that randomly in the world somewhere, you'll find like a note, and it just has <laughs> just randomly find a note. You'll randomly find a note, or like just like a page out of a book, and it's the briefest mention of these powerful witches that once existed in time. Fuck yeah. But I it, love that you did three too, because the the maiden, the yeah. mother, and the crone. Yeah. So <laughs> the idea is this would start you on a special quest. But you can't do this quest too early. You need to be maxed out in your level <laughs> and your skill. Make sure you have all gold armor. Like you need to be ready for this fight. So this is one of the things that I do where I like I just like find myself in a random cave and there's like uh -huh. a I'm on level like five and it's like level 40 demon. I'm like, fuck. Yes. <laughs> and you can't leave the cave. <laughs> you just get two shot and you have to reload. I did that like... in The Witcher and I kept dying. And I'm like, how do I leave? <laughs> Let me go. So yeah, so this, this leads you on this, you. this epic quest line. And it's going to take you all over wherever the world is. And eventually you find out that these three witches became revenants. And they're, they're, evil in the world is still like you still feel the tendrils of that evil so like i imagine it as this fog that's all over the world right yes. so in order to cleanse the evil you have to find these three revenants and kill them hey that's rude <laughs> <laughs> so for me i would have probably been like the elemental witch so for me you'd probably get like an elemental staff that it it'll do electricity frost and fire and it kind oh, of yeah. rotates and you, in order to summon me, like you'll just stumble, you can stumble across like all of my standing stones yes. and like accidentally, I don't know, like kick the, what's it called? The bottles that hold your souls? Bottles. Phylactery. Oh, it's like bottles. That you hold find your souls. <laughs> my phylactery and you're just like, oh, what's this? And then you drop it and then bam, I come out. It's time to fight it. So when, when are you writing this? <laughs> story out i should huh what would i be like what would my well what kind of weapon would you want to fight with oh, no. i already have a staff so you can't pick that okay, dual wield daggers do you want like a great sword i want those like you want a bow oh, what are they called i what's your either a style? bow or those, those dual egyptian daggers Ooh. right yeah nobody so if you're like so if my you're daggers. a duelist yeah you would want to you would want to kill cat first so you could get her daggers yeah, yeah. Literally. i'm not asking for that much i think that would be a fantastic way to like live my afterlife just i like it haunting people i like how i connect with myself to your afterlife <laughs> of course because i'm like i'm like don't know you don't ever leave me <laughs> get rid of me so yeah you're gonna die next and then time. once you kill the three sisters the maiden the mother and the crown which one would i be the crown I was gonna say the maid, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fog clears the land and everything has been cleansed. What the fuck would that make me? I'm not the mother. I'm not motherly at all. Unless I'm we're all crones. We all appear as crones. We're all crones. <laughs> <laughs>
you're all old and angry and cranky. <laughs> I want to appear as the maiden, but like it's a trick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool if like each of the three had their own special powers. So maybe once you kill the maiden, whichever sister that is, you'll get the power. I feel like you would get like a glamour power. So when are we writing this? <laughs> I, I don't know. We should start. <laughs> The crone would be like, if you touch somebody, it it forces decay on them. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. The maiden, so the maiden, killing the maiden, you get whatever her weapon is. And I feel the like the maiden, a glamour. I feel like that should be the maiden power though, because you're lured in by the maiden because of her natural beauty. And then. Hence the glamour that you pick up. Well, yeah. But then when you, like, they want the maiden's beauty. So then when the maiden touches them, they turn all over. Ooh. Because. Because then okay. she, she's like Elizabeth Bathory. Yeah. Like, that's how she has her yeah, internal maiden she, that's how she's a That's how she looks like the maiden. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I like it. We should write this. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just add it to my ever-growing list of things I need to write. Oh, I know. And... You have so many stories that you keep telling me about. And then I'm like, okay, but where's the end? <laughs> I know. <laughs> where's the end? I would like to know that as well. <laughs> All right. Well, you have been listening to Difficult Damsels. Yay. Um, you can reach us at difficult.damsels at gmail.com. I don't know what you were looking at there, but you like were very intent. Like it looked oh. like you were reading it. How <laughs> oh, was it? We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Literally just type in difficult damsels and hopefully we'll pop up. up. <laughs> we post pictures of Anya. Yeah, we post pictures of Anya. We post pictures. Sometimes we're in them too, but you guys don't seem to care as much about yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, no. We post work time doodles of the therapy treehouse. Yes. We had another therapy session. <laughs> we did. The start of this episode. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and yeah, please rate and review yes, this podcast. It's very, very important. Yeah, it's how we uh we get the word out. We're not we're not doing this to be famous, but like we want everyone I to am. Hear I want us money. be ridiculous. Oh, all I right. can't find a man to get me a beach house, I'm gonna get my own beach house. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stay difficult. Oh, yes.